My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 10.27. Thank you, guys. So, what's the point? The point is this. We are His sheep. If you are here this morning, and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are one of His. He is our great shepherd, and we are His sheep. Amen? Amen. And, what do sheep do? They, <laughs> they follow the shepherd. And, uh, I'm not going to get off on another sermon this morning. Man, maybe I'm supposed to. When, when the sheep get to hear the shepherd's voice, there's that connection with the shepherd. And that connection that the sheep have with the shepherd is a very, very unique relationship. And that's the kind of relationship that we have with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we hear His voice. We have a special relationship with Jesus, period. But it's an extra special relationship when we hear the voice of God. And when we follow Him. So that's the message. Kids, let's come on up. For a praise place, I get to pray for you this morning. We get to do this every Sunday uh, for those who are visiting. We have a, a, a bunch of uh, teachers who, uh, who do a great job every week back in, the, in the praise, back in the praise place. James, are we still doing the spy thing or are we on to something different? We're still doing the, what's it called? The, uh, the what? International Spy Academy. So, are you guys learning how to become good spies for God? Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's pray for these kids and for the teachers. Father, we thank you for this day to come together. And, uh, and Father, to share our love for each other. And, and Father, to feel uh, your love for us. And we thank you for these, uh, we thank you for these kids, Father. Uh, we thank you for their parents, that they are diligent in raising them up in the love of God. And Father, we pray your blessing on each and every one of these uh, young people. Father God, that you'll continue to protect them and nurture them and raise them up, Father God, to be strong men and women for your glory. Father, we thank you for the teachers, the men and women who so faithfully serve in the praise place every Sunday. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good time, guys. Appreciate you. Let's give it up for our kids this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to be reading from chapter 4, uh, verses 6 and 7 this morning. This will be the foundational scripture verse for our message this morning. Paul wrote this to the, uh, to the church at Corinth, starting in verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God as it is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Verse 7. However, we possess this precious treasure. We possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel, in frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power 
may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. Church, we're going to briefly talk about three truths that come from that message. But first, I want to talk about pots. Now, as I said first service, this is Colorado, and the regulatory world has changed. I said pots. Okay? Um, the Greek word for clay pots is ostrakinos, or ostrakinos. I'm not sure exactly where the uh, emphasis put on that word. But ostrakinos means literally earthenware. And that Greek word for the term clay pots uh, means literally plain, ordinary earthenware. Not anything fancy. Very plain, very ordinary earthenware. And I think that it's a good analogy of our lives because the Bible in, in Genesis 2 uh, talks about how man was formed out of the what? Out of the clay, out of the dirt, right? So it's a good analogy for our lives. And the Bible also talks in many places about, about God being the master craftsman, God being uh, the, 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 the potter, and us being the clay. In fact, Isaiah uh, 64, verse 8 reads, We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So the first truth of that passage that we just read is simply this, and that is that God did not create us to just be a decoration. But God created us, church, to contain something. Okay? God did not create us just to be a pretty decoration. God created us to, con to contain something. Now, when you think about pots, and you think about your kitchen, which is normally where we keep pots, um, when the pots are sitting there, yes, they're pots, but quite frankly, until a pot has something in it, they're really not fulfilling the reason that they're made, are they? They're just taking up space in your cupboard. And a pot doesn't really truly become a pot until it contains the soup or the peas or the spaghetti or whatever it is that you're getting ready to put in that pot. Does that make some sense to you guys? A pot is a pot, yes, but it fulfills its purpose, it fulfills its mission when it has put in it whatever it is that it is designed at that point in time to hold. Well, when you think about it in the same way, and our lives being clay pots, we can lead pretty unfulfilled and pretty empty lives until we understand that God created us that contains something. We can lead pretty unfulfilled, un, unmeaningful, um, empty lives until we know what our purpose is. Until we know that God has a plan for us. And I believe, church, that, in, that it's when we get passionate about God's purpose and about God's plan in our life that those three things become interconnected and that's when we can truly begin to live an exciting uh, life for Jesus Christ. Well, we're going to talk about three pots this morning and I have two of them right here uh, before me and some of you may be thinking, in fact, I was thinking, uh, Steve, during his, his um, communion meditation, 
uh, talking about slime, it's interesting that, that, that he ended up with slime. But when you think about our lives, we kind of begin with slime and we take that slime and give it to the Lord and he transforms it. It's kind of the opposite of what we talked about uh, communion this morning. And some of you may have been thinking that, gee whiz, Larry in his, uh, in his spare time took up pottery classes. That's, that's not the case. But these are two pots that I'm going to use as kind of an illustration this morning as we continue to talk about the three truths from this message. The first pot that I have here this morning is, uh, it's been fired and it's been glazed and it's been formed. And um, it's got, it's been hand painted even. It's got pretty hand painted uh, pink roses uh, on it with some little green stems, if you can kind of see that. And this is one of Sherry's uh, pots. And if I drop it, she's going to kill me. Um, But as you can see, this pot really, um, it's empty. It's an empty pot, but because of the beauty of it and kind of the way it's got some gold leaf um, around the edges of it, this pot really can serve as an ornament in and of itself. This pot can really just be a, um, uh, a decoration just all by itself. And... Before I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, this was kind of how I tried to make my life look. Um, I tried to uh, look like I had it all together. I tried real hard to, to kind of look the part and, and act the part. And uh, I, I kind of thought perhaps that, that maybe... Uh, you know, just showing up, being a decoration was going to be good enough. But I was empty. And I'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a second. But that's the first kind of pot. And again, this is a, this is a pot, but it's empty. Now, this second pot is extremely ordinary. If I drop this one, Sherry wouldn't get that too, really that excited about it. This is just a very kind of ordinary teapot. And um, it's really not very fancy. So, let me ask you this, church. When you look at this pot, what do you focus on? The what? The flowers. You see, this pot it's containing something. And when we, look at, when we look at this pot, we really focus on the pot, don't we? And all of its hand-painted beauty. This pot, when we look at it, even though it's extremely ordinary, extremely plain, this pot we focus on the flowers. So, what does that mean? Well, this pot is doing what it was designed to do. This pot was designed to contain something. In this case, this pot is containing these nice little pink ornamental fake flowers. So, it can be easy to think that God doesn't need you. In fact, it can be easy 
perhaps to maybe think that God doesn't need any of us. But the truth of the matter is that I went a long time thinking that God certainly didn't need me. And maybe some of you wonder about that. But when we understand this truth, we realize that in one sense, God needs empty pots to fill up with His treasure. However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the Gospel, in frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. Interesting. Now, if we've kind of gotten to a point where we think, okay, um, I'm an earthen vessel, I'm a clay pot, and um, it's important for me to be filled with something, Well, that's true, I think it's also important for us to recognize that we can fill ourselves with a lot of stuff. And it's an interesting reality. I'm I'm constantly fascinated by the fact that God gave us free will. And God gave us this free will, certainly, because of the fact that He loves us. And while on some levels it would be easier if we were wired, so to speak, to just be obedient all the time, we really wouldn't have the kind of relationship with God that God wants us to have. Because kind of like y'all as parents, you don't want your kids to love you out of sheer duty, do you? Out of sheer obedience. You want your kids to love you because you're their mom and dad. You want them to love you And obviously, you love them because of the relationship that God has formed with your your children. And so, as we think about these clay pots that we're walking around in, these earthen vessels, these very flawed, cracked um, vessels that we're walking around in, it's really, really important for us to be aware that we get to choose what we fill these pots with. And... There was a time in my life when I worked extremely, extremely hard to fill my life with anything and everything that I could find that would make me feel whole. And I'm not going to share my testimony this morning, but part of my life experience is that uh, I went to extraordinary measures to fill that, what I call that God hole that I believe we all have. And uh, I spared no expense and certainly invested in an immense amount of time trying to fill that emptiness, trying to fill that yearning and that I believe we all kind of have to have meaning and purpose and, and to feel valuable uh, with stuff that left me incredibly empty. And one morning, I looked in the mirror and I literally looked back at myself and it was almost as if I looked back into my eyes and went down into the bowels of my soul. And what I saw there was not very attractive. What I saw there was emptiness. What I saw there 
was loneliness. What I saw there was hurt. What I saw there was pain. What I saw there was inadequacy that I had, that I had been trying to make up for with a lot of other stuff. And in spite of my best efforts, as, as much as I tried to find pleasure uh, or meaning in the things of this world, I ended up spiritually bankrupt. I did not understand at that point in time that God's purpose and plan for me was to fill me up with His treasure. And we run the risk of filling our pots to overflowing with things that sometimes just don't really matter. Things that are just not going to be things that last for an eternal purpose. God wants to fill us. God wants to fill these cracked pots of ours. But sometimes our pots are full. The second truth is this, and that is Jesus lives in us like treasure in a jar. And this is where it gets pretty exciting because the plainest, most unlikely clay jars contain the priceless treasure of the life of Jesus Christ. But again, like this pot, the focus is not on the pot, but on the little beautiful treasure that lies within. And it's the same way with our lives. Uh, and again, that's why the Scripture verse is so important here because as it says at the end of verse 7, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. You see, God wants to use us. God needs to use us. In the midst of our frailty and brokenness and uh, inadequacy, so that, in the end, when we do uh, the work that God has asked us to do, God will be glorified and not ourselves. The Apostle Paul called himself, as we know, the chief of sinners. But the Apostle Paul also wrote this. He said that the secret to effectiveness was Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, just as this second pot contains uh, and presents these flowers for our enjoyment, God has made us to contain and display the wonderful life and the wonderful light of Jesus Christ. The last truth of this message is simply this, and that is that God delights in using imperfect vessels. If you're here this morning and you feel like a very imperfect vessel, you're exactly in the right place. Join the club. Amen? And you know, the Bible contains a lot of examples of paradoxes. The Bible says that uh, in order to be uh, first, you have to be last. In order to live, you have to die. And uh, another interesting paradox is that God chooses to use us as very flawed very imperfect, very broken vessels, very cracked pots. And again, so that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. You know, church, the earliest, the early Christians were, were called um, 
unlearned, ignorant people. Yet God used this bunch of ragtag early believers to turn the world upside down. And Paul wrote to the church in Corinth to remind them of the kind of people God uses. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26-29, through 29, Paul writes this, Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before Him. God also cho- chose to use a, uh, an uneducated shoe salesman in the 19th century. This guy was not only uneducated, he's kind of frumpy, uh, had a third grade education, and those who heard him speak report that he just absolutely obliterated the English, the English language. And uh, it, is no, it, is, it has been reported that when he pronounced the word Jerusalem, which I think is four syllables, he pronounced it in one syllable. Now, I don't know how you do that, but he just murdered the English language. While he was, uh, later on in his life, while he was presenting to a group of scholarly uh, theologians, he once said this. He said, don't never think that God don't love you, for he do. Now, that's murdering the English language. I don't know how many... That's a triple negative, I think. Now, this guy was a cracked pot. This guy was a flawed earthen vessel, just like you, just like me. But God chose to use this guy to impact two continents for the cause of Christ. As a young guy, this this man heard a preacher by the name of Henry Varley who said, quote, it remains to be seen what God will do with a man who gives himself up wholly to him. And it was on that day that Dwight L. Moody, who was who that guy was, gave his life to Jesus Christ. He decided to take his empty jar and be filled with the power of God. And Spider Fish came up to me at the end of the first service and said that her grandfather heard Dwight L. Moody speak. And it was upon hearing Dwight L. Moody speak that he decided to commit his life and become a missionary on an Indian reservation for the balance of his life. So here's a guy who was very flawed, very cracked, very imperfect, an earthen vessel just like us, who chose to take his emptiness and fill it with the cause of Christ. Transforming two continents. And if you go to Chicago today, you'll see the Moody Bible Church, Moody Publishing, and the uh, Moody Bible Institute. You see, in order for a light to shine out of a vessel, it has to be broken. In order for a light to shine out of a vessel, it has to be broken. In church, being broken is hard. Every, every part of our being, every part of every fiber of our being fights against being broken. Uh, for a lot of reasons, not, inc- not, not excluding the fact that this world we live in uh, works very hard to convince us that if we're broken, then we're not any good. 
There's another great testament out of the old, or another great story out of the Old Testament to illustrate this in Judges 6. And, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but most of us know the story of Gideon. And Gideon really is a classic example of, uh, uh, of a guy who, who really didn't think uh, he was anything special. In fact, quite frankly, he thought the opposite. And uh, the Midianites, we know the story, the Midianites are um, just wreaking havoc uh, with Israel. Uh, the, the Bible says that, that, that they came up as hordes that you couldn't count how many of them there were, including their chariots. Uh, doing some research, theologians believe there were at least 150,000 Midianites that were coming in and, and, and again, wreaking havoc uh, with, uh, with, with Israel. And uh, Gideon is uh, threshing wheat in a wine press. And the Bible says that he was in, the, in that white wine press hiding the wheat. <clears throat> I'm going to take just a little bit of liberty here and, and say to you that I also think Gideon was hiding more than just the wheat. Okay? I think Gideon was flat hiding out himself. Okay? And again, that's just a little editorial liberty. But if, if I would have been Gideon, realizing what was happening, I would have probably been in there beating the wheat and also hiding out for my own safety. And so here he is in this wine press, and what happens? An angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and basically says, Hey, you mighty warrior of God. And you can just imagine what Gideon thought. In fact, I think it's quite possible that Gideon probably looked around the wine press like, Who in the world is this angel talking to? He can't possibly be talking to me. Gideon, Gideon says, uh, excuse me, but I'm from the weakest clan and I'm basically the weakest of the clan. I'm the runt, so to speak, of the litter. And of course, that's exactly who God was looking to use. A cracked pot. A guy who didn't think that he was anything special. In fact, this guy thought that he was nothing special to the point where... As the story goes on, we know that he, he took quite a bit of convincing from God to be used. We won't talk about the fleeces. We'll save that for a later day. So, what happens is, God asks Gideon to put together an army. And 32,000 soldiers show up. And God says to Gideon, mm, that's too many. Just too many. Now keep in mind, let's, let's say 150,000 Midianites, roughly 30,000 soldiers. If my math is correct, that's a 5 to 1 ratio. They were outnumbered at least 5 to 1. And God says, it's too many. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the men and simply ask them if any, if any of them are not prepared to do what it is that I'm going to ask them to do. If any of them are, are uh, not willing to engage, then send them home. And upon that statement, 22,000, gone. 32,000, 
Five to one odds, now it's down to 22,000. 10,000, gone. God says, still too many. Now, if you're Gideon, what are you thinking? What in the world? Absolutely. Give me a break. Well, the angel of the Lord says, here's what I want you to do. Have them go down to the river and watch them drink. And any of them who get down on all fours and lap like a dog, send them home. The ones who cup their hands, drink the water, those are the ones I want you to keep. Well, that cut it down to 300. 9,700 lapped water like a dog. So now we're down to 300 from 32,000. And God says, yeah, that's just the right number. Why? Because see, if it would have been 32,000, God was going to bring the victory. That was, that was already determined. The victory was going to be the Lord's. But if 32,000 would have gone up against the hordes, as the word says, the glory would have not gone to God. The glory could have gone to the army. So, as the story progresses, we know that at Gideon's direction, at midnight, he equipped them with A trumpet, a clay pot, and a torch. Well, gang, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to go into battle, I'm really going to take something else besides a clay pot and a torch and a trumpet. You know, unless you plan on beating somebody over the head with that trumpet, I'm not too sure why any of that stuff would be very good equipment to go into battle with. But that's what they went into battle with. And again, we know how the story progresses. At a, given, at a given signal, all the soldiers blew their trumpets, smashed their jars, and shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Well, between the trumpets blaring and the clay pots being broken, the clay pots being broken, and the torches coming out of those swords, the Midianites were in disarray. And as we know, God confused them among their own and basically they, they killed themselves. So, it's interesting to note that it wasn't until those clay pots were broken that the light of those torches shone forth. It takes a broken pot for the light to shine forth. And that's what God wants us to do. To let His light shine through us because God delights to use broken, flawed, cracked pots. And the reason He delights to do it is because He will be glorified. He will be glorified. There's a beautiful fable from China that illustrates exactly what we've shared this morning. 
And it goes like this. Once upon a time, there was an elderly Chinese woman who owned two large clay pots. She would hang each pot on the ends of a pole, which she carried across her neck. And each day she would walk from her house to the nearby stream to fetch water for her home. She would fill up both pots, pick up the pole, and walk back to her house. Now, one of the pots had a crack in it. The other pot was perfect. And by the time that she got back to her home, the perfect pot still had a full container of water, but the cracked pot was only half full. Because of the crack in that pot, half the water had leaked out during the trek back home. For two full years, this happened daily. The Chinese woman arrived home with only one and a half pots of water. Of course, a perfect pot was proud of itself. It had never lost a precious drop of water. But the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its imperfection. It was miserable. The cracked pot thought of itself as a complete and utter failure. One day, the cracked pot was so tired of feeling that it spoke to the woman. And the cracked pot said, I am ashamed of myself because of this crack in my side. And the fact that it causes water to leak out all the way back to your home. I have failed you, and I'm sorry. Perhaps you need to replace me with another pot that isn't cracked. Here's what the woman said. Did you notice that there are flowers on your side of the path, but not on the, uh, on the other pot's side? I've always known about your flaw, so I planted flower seeds on your side of the path. Every day as I've walked back, you've been watering those seeds. For the past two years, I've been able to pick the flowers to de decorate my table. Without you being just the way you are, cracked and flawed, there would have been no beautiful flowers to grace my table. Brothers and sisters, it's okay to be cracked. It's okay to be flawed. God wants us and needs us. And He will use us as He sees fit however He sees fit and whenever He sees fit to do His work to bring glory and honor to Him and to make a difference in this life in the midst of your frailty, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your imperfection. We are cracked pots. And as the worship team comes forward this morning, I want to I want to encourage us and challenge us. You know, the enemy is a liar. It's one of the words that the Bible refers to the devil as, as a liar. And I don't know. I, I guess maybe it must not be real popular to preach 
about the devil. And I'm not going to preach about the devil, but I will tell you this. If I'm going to do battle with somebody, I'm going to know everything I can possibly know about who the enemy is. Amen? And we are in a battle of life and death. Um, If you're here this morning and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have the light of Christ shining through this crack in your pot. And being a soldier of the cross is not for the faint of heart. And being a soldier of the cross is, requires, I believe, to understand who the enemy is. To understand that there is somebody who wants to rob you of your joy and your hope and your peace and your faith if, 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 if you'll let him take it. And you may be here this morning and I don't know. You, you may never have gotten to a point where you feel as though God could possibly use you. I understand that. I understand. Guys, I still struggle. The fact that I'm here delivering the Word today, why in the world God would use a knucklehead like me? I have no idea. You may be saying to yourself, well, I'm not, I'm not qualified. I'm not worthy. Um, I'm not strong enough. I'm not courageous enough. You know what? Enough. Because the truth of the matter is, is that God wants to use all of us. Not only does He want to use all of us, He needs to use all of us. Because we are called to be His ambassadors, His witnesses to this earth. And you know, it's interesting because for a lot of years, I heard the enemy in my voice saying exactly that. Larry, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 dude. What about all this stuff I know about you? What about all this stuff in your... What about all this junk? What about all this garbage you still have in your life? You, you mean to tell me you really think that the God of the creation could use someone with all this garbage in your life? I know you. I know who you are. And you know, there's a difference between lying to somebody and just not telling the whole truth. Not much of a difference, but there is a difference. Because, see, that's really a half-truth or a half-lie, however you want to look at it. Because the other voice I hear is, Larry, you're not good enough. You're not, you're not qualified. You're flawed. You're cracked. And that's exactly why I want to use you. So we can hear the same words from two different people and get an entirely two different reactions. We can listen to the enemy, listen to our insecurity, and recognize and and accept, you bet, you know what? None of us, not any of us, are equipped on our own to do anything for God. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, who resides in these cracked, flawed vessels of ours that that shines and emits out as the light of Christ, that precious treasure that the Word talks about. We can change the world. We are changing the world. So who wants to be a life changer this morning? 
Amen. Amen. That's what we're here to do, you guys, is to change lives for the cause of Christ. So, we get to respond. That's the great thing about preaching the Word. I don't know about you, but every time I read the Word, I get, I get to choose what I'm going to do with it. The Word is power. The Word is truth. The Word is convicting. Amen. So if you want to take out your green cards, let's go through these real quick. On the back, I'd like to encourage you, challenge you to indicate what kind of a commitment you're going to make this week. It may be to memorize, if you, are, if you haven't already, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. That may be something that you want to memorize to your heart this week. You may want to create more time and more space in your life. More, as Scott used to call, more margin in your life. Um, I said this, forgive me, I think it bears saying again. If you can't decrease the volume of your noise, increase the volume of your quiet. Okay? If you can't ratchet down the noise, ratchet up your quiet. It's a great opportunity this week to get rededicated, recommitted, to find some time, find a space where you can listen to the voice of God. You may want to rededicate or recommit taking your cracked pot and making it available to God. You may want to stretch out in faith. And, you know, word, uh, the church, the, the, word, the, the Word says that we live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. So if you look at yourself in the mirror, I want to encourage you to see that cracked pot, but see the fact that God wants and needs to use you. Don't look at yourself just the way you are. Look at, the, look at yourself the way that God looks at you. 